All right, let me think of something for this episode because I actually don't have yeah, anything just, right you now. You know, just pull it out um, of the hat. Robots Radio presents Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Yo, it's the Jimmy Chongas! Oh, they're making a run for the border! Your father and I were lovers. What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. Hey, mommy. Twice. I made them by hand. Let the party begin! Hello and welcome to Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. The podcast where you think it's the smallest, most crappiest gift under the tree, but holy shit, it turns out to be that experience that you really, really wanted. You know, the big one with all the money and all the sort of shows and, you know, I don't know how to finish this, but it's a good present. It's a good present, you guys. That's Simone LaRue. That's Chad Echowitz with the most adorable intro yet. I got really defensive in the end because I thought it was going off the rails. So I was just like, come, I'll fight you. If anyone's just like, oh, what a terrible intro, I will fight them with fists. <laughs> with two fists. <laughs> what a great way to confront failure is to just start fighting people. Isn't that just the white male way? <laughs> Truly. <laughs> no, you're corrupt. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm sorry, but uh, you, you've got nothing against me. And also that guy dresses funny. So, so <laughs> who's really in the wrong? This here? is a witch hunt. <laughs> yeah, I've got millions and millions of friends. Me and China. <laughs> <laughs> We're not uh, talking about anyone specific, guys. Don't don't even th- worry about it. No, no, except the world's on fire. Everything's on fire and we're all dying. But everything's fine. How are you, Simone? I am good, actually. I'm very relaxed. I, as I told you before we started recording, mm. I have cleaned my whole house. So I'm basically a domestic goddess. Yeah, you're in a, in a, in a house of zen. Mm. Cleanliness starts from the outside and works inwards. Oh, yeah. And it's like a lime and cardamom right. scented cleaner. Oh, so damn. I feel like everything just smells incredible. That's so nice. We got a we got a Christmas-themed air spray for the holidays. So our, our whole house just smells of... Of hope and joy from Christmas spirit. It's lovely. Oh my god. Yeah, it's so nice. Wonderful. And speaking of Christmas, Simone, this week, (sighs) ladies and gentlemen, we've decided to ease ourselves into Christmas in the only way that Simone and I know how, and that's with Christmas horror movies. And Hell yeah. boy, Obi, what a what an adventure, Simone. What are, what are you doing today? I am doing the movie that you've never heard of, but that got a surprisingly generous <laughs> review on Rotten Tomatoes. It is Red Christmas from gosh, like 2017. Yeah, 2000, 2016, Yeah. Yeah. So it's very recent. It got forty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That is generous. Y'all. You know? And then uh, 20% audience score, so <laughs> the opposite of what we usually go for. Do you think that, like, most of the cr- uh, the, the critics who, who gave them that score are, like, obscenely conservative? Yeah, must be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into it. Tell the people what you're doing. Uh, so I am doing the remake of the 1974 slasher Black Christmas, uh, which is the 2006 Black Christmas. Not to be confused with the movie which we will talk about in uh, last week's, because this episode will come out afterwards, but last week's uh, mini-sode, the 2019 Black Christmas. It's the one in the middle, y'all. The 2006 Black Christmas. They need to mm-hmm. stop naming things Black Christmas because... Because, damn, there are now going to be three films called Black Christmas, and you're going to just get confused of which one's the good ones and which one are the bad ones. I think ones. it's all iterations of the same concept. I'm pretty sure they're all remakes. Yeah. 1974 Yeah, one? yeah. It does feel that way. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that on both this episode yeah. and that minisode. But this, uh, the 2006 one got 15% on the Rotten Tomato meter and a 38 Oof. audience score. So the audience were just like, fuck yeah. And yeah, very opposite to yours. So I'm excited to see where this one goes. Mm, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and in that spirit, Chad, what are you drinking? I am drinking, and I have to say it in the in the way that I read it, which is King Goblin. <laughs> it's an imperial ruby beer. It's quite delightful. I love my goblin <laughs> voice. The Riddle Goblin. <laughs> Please do the rest <laughs> of the episode in that voice. Please and thank you. <laughs> Do you, I think it will get very annoying very quickly. It already is, uh, frankly, but I, will... but I love it so much. <laughs> it's described as the king.
king of legends. Um, but it's very, very nice. It's got like a nice, like sort of rotund um, flavor to it. It's uh, very dark, a little bit bitter, but quite tasty. Um, and it comes in at a very, very low 6.6%. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've decided to go for taste rather than quantity today. Fair what are enough. you drinking? I am back in character. Oh, and yeah. I am drinking a nice iced white wine. White wine. Lovely. Talk me through... A white wine. Talk me through your white wine of the day. It is a protea white wine. Nice. It is corked, even. Oh, shit. But it's a nice cork. You can just twist it out like a like a champagne cork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's much easier. Yeah, much easier. Um, and it comes in at a nice 13.5%. Lovely. I do feel like easy corking makes life well, so much easier when you're trying to drink, because there's nothing worse than when you're like, oh, let's have this nice bottle of red, and you've got to find a bottle opener, and it never works, oh, the cork God, just yeah. disintegrates, and it's a fucking nightmare. I've actually heard also that screw tops seal better than corks, so people <laughs> really? who are snobs about corks actually don't have a good reason to be. Yes, snobs. Yes, snobs, you damn red wine snobs. So... I mean, is it is it a case that like is that just because um, cork is quite a quite a, a permeable sort of material? Like it's not, it's not, it's quite porous, yeah. isn't it? I think. I, look, I haven't read much into it. I couldn't say either, <laughs> but I just imagine that it's a bit. It breathes a bit more than uh, cold hard plastic. Yeah, I mean that would make one hundred percent sense, really, <laughs> if you think about it. Just, <laughs> just mm. the logic of it is 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 sits with that so very very strange okay well yeah. lovely how very very exciting i guess that means you get to go first which means we get to start off this episode with politics how exciting oh how fun we're gonna lose a couple of listeners here <laughs> okay <laughs> i did not write a synopsis for this because both of these movies are slashers and therefore they don't really have a plot yeah yeah 100 okay so Red Christmas starts with the super fun and not at all polarizing montage of various lawmakers around the world discussing abortion and various sides from the pro-choice and pro-life debates. Uh, but it seems to lean a little more heavily on the pro-life or, well, I'm going to call them anti-choice because, you know, I have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, lots more opinions on the anti-choice debate, and this montage starts off being like newspaper clippings and shit, and then we see a man walk into an abortion clinic while a woman is in the process of getting an abortion, and uh, he blows up the clinic, but miraculously, the baby that this woman was trying to abort survives. <laughs> <laughs> What follows is another montage of him, like, trying to save the baby or raise the baby. It's very confusing and unclear. Yeah. Anyway, that all happens. Cut to 20 years later. A family living in Australia, <laughs> headed up by the matriarch, Diane, played by Dee Wallace, are trying to have a nice Christmas. Mixed results. <laughs> Ginny, played by Janice McCalvin, is heavily pregnant. Her sister, Susie, played by Sarah Bishop, is desperately trying to have a baby and not succeeding, and she and her highly religious pastor husband are pretty judgmental about Ginny and her husband, <laughs> Jerry, played by Gerard, Gerard O'Dwyer. No, not that. Peter? Yeah. I suppose it doesn't super matter. No, no. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Peter's the husband. <laughs> right. It's all yeah. it's all nonsense. Peter, played by David <laughs> Collins, and in the middle of it all is Diane and her Down syndrome son, Jerry, played by Gerardo Dwyer. A stranger comes knocking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I see very... you grasping for for some plot, and I'm very impressed. I'm that trying you to get it all so together. Well. So this strange cloaked stranger comes to the door. D Diane is a very kind person. She invites him in. They start chatting to him, and he keeps saying that he's, like, looking for his mom, which is really weird. Yeah. And they're super nice. They, like, give him a little Christmas present. He makes clear he's never gotten a present before. None <laughs> of them are especially disturbed by it, except for Ginny, who's portrayed as the biggest bitch on the planet. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he reads out a letter that he wants to read to his mother. <laughs> And essentially reveals that he is the baby that Diane was trying to abort 20 years ago. Diane realizes this, kicks him out very cruelly, yeah. might I Yeah, yeah. That's fucked up. And this is where the trouble starts. Because this guy 
who we now know as Cletus, played by Sam Campbell. Nice. Got a rep. <laughs> we'll get into the name. Cletus starts killing off various members of the family, starting with Joe. Cletus starts killing off members of the family. The family st- tries to fight back. Ultimately, though, it's all useless. Everyone dies except for the baby that Ginny gives birth to in the middle of it all. So, even as Cletus lies dead because Diane sacrificed her own life to kill him, there is the newborn baby. I'm not sure what the message is. Maybe, like, the baby was always meant to be kept alive and Diane ruined the natural order of things by trying to kill this one. And, uh, that's the end. I mean... (laughs) All the, th- all the thoughts and feelings, but before we before we dive straight into it, what is your cliphanger? Oh my god. Oh, my cliphanger is going to be this. We have to get up to... No! Kino's dead! You tried to abort me! Answer me! Did you try to abort me? No, sweetheart. I love you. Of course not. Did you abort Clitus because he got Down syndrome? Yes. But your daddy and I loved you. We wanted you. You want to kill me too? No. You want to kill me? No. You don't love me anymore. I do love you. I do love you. And this is really, like, the only interesting character development that happens in the whole movie. Like, this is where it gets, like, fucking interesting. I mean, you know, Diane admits to her highly religious son-in-law that she Mm -hmm. had an abortion, and, like, he doesn't really react either way. But then Jerry finds out that she got an abortion because she found out, A, that the child had Down Mm -hmm. syndrome, and B, her husband had a brain tumor, and she just knew she couldn't care for the second child, Mm -hmm. or the fourth child yeah Uh, so she got an abortion and jerry's obviously really touched by this and he's obviously feeling a lot of emotions and all of this amazing character tension Mm -hmm. doesn't amount to anything jerry is dead in the next scene yeah and diane is sad yeah it's it's mind-boggling because it is one of the best scenes because jerry has that full-on freak out as the clip says and the actor uh gerard ardwyer is honestly he's fantastic he is the best part of this movie he is the best part the of the movie. The most likable character. Oh yeah, and he's he he is the best actor of all of them without question. And it is it is so nice. And I think, you know, obviously this movie wanted you to talk about the moralities and stuff of abortion even though it gets really confused on what his message is. But I think yeah. You know, like I think that scene where she like explains the reasons for her having the abortion, you're just like Fuck yeah, that's justified. What are you on about? Yeah. This is the thing that, like, baffled me about the movie, is they're trying to paint it, I think, as, like, a moral, a gray area. Yeah, sort of, But, like, this is exactly why abortion is legal in a lot of places, is because women need to have the ability to plan their families. Like, this Mm. isn't a woman who, like, made a mistake and got pregnant, even though women like that should also have a choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a woman who's, like had three kids who's, Mm. like, accepted her child with Down syndrome and has, like, all the love in her heart and Mm. is willing to take care of him. And this is a woman whose husband is also sick and doesn't know what medical bills she's facing. Like, this is exactly what family planning is for. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And, I mean, I think that's what makes that whole scene actually really beautiful is because, like, it also talks to the existentialism of uh, Jerry because, like, he's, like, oh, what if it had been me, you know, you didn't want another Down syndrome baby, what if we had been different and, like, Cletus was him? And so, like, it really talks on that, and, like, that's the one bit, because it does feel like this film leans anti-choice. Yeah. And and that's the one bit where their actual argument kind of comes through as as semi-justified. I mean, very, very tentatively, because it is not justified. There's a lot of debate around... (laughs) aborting children with down mm. syndrome and yeah there's a lot of talk around that and i don't know enough about it to be able mm. to contribute i personally yeah I, I personally i stand by the mantra of uh no uterus no opinion <laughs> and i will i will definitely fight in that corner but if i was on a side it's definitely definitely pro-choice how about you simone um, <laughs> if it isn't 
fucking obvious by now. <laughs> say that, you know, maybe there's nuance and there, planning families is hard and, you know, you can't always control whether you get pregnant or not, even if you do your best. And maybe we should, we can't make moral decisions for every woman ever. And maybe you don't get to decide what's moral or not. And maybe you should just give women a fucking choice. Is it, is it that hard? Really? Jesus. Like, I mean... Damn. Especially, so... Very, very simple. I don't know if you read about this, but Ohio just signed in this bill where um, you can actually get, like, sentenced to prison time for having an abortion because it's considered murder. No, fuck me. And then at the same time, they now require doctors. So if you have an ectopic pregnancy, Mm. which is basically a fertilized egg implants somewhere that is not the womb, usually in like the fallopian Mm. tubes or something, it starts growing. Uh, It's not good. Usually they terminate those pregnancies because basically it's growing in the wrong place Mm. and it can cause like massive hemorrhaging and death Death, for the mom. Um, And the bill demands that they now try to reimplant this embryo, uh, which is not medically possible. (laughs) <laughs> white hot rage is coursing through my veins it's not medically possible that's what happens when you have a bunch of people make laws without bringing in women and medical professionals oh oh simone oh <laughs> oh white but let's talk men. about red christmas okay okay Putting that aside. Okay, bring it back. All right, Simone, (laughs) I wanted to set this up nicely and and give you another little bit of a quiz, but I haven't prepared it that well, so so I'm not going to do that. So Uh instead, what I'm going to do is, because I'm editing this week's episode, uh, I'm going to make my life a little bit harder, and I'm going to put in a clip of Cletus speaking now. Hey, excuse me. So? What the fuck is wrong with you, boy? Pardon? What the fuck do you want? And what the fuck are you supposed to be? My name is Peters. I'm looking for mother's house. And then I'm going to put uh-huh. a clip of Eddie Redmayne speaking now. Thank you. Thank you to the Academy. Um, I don't think I'm capable of articulating quite how I feel right now. But please know this. Oh, fuck off. There is no <laughs> difference between the two. I don't know what you have against Eddie Redmayne. He... I don't... Okay, I don't... I don't know. I don't know why... Like, maybe it's just because he plays every character the same. I I don't know. But I, I there's nothing... I don't have anything against him in this respect. I'm just saying that Cletus sounded exactly like Eddie Redmayne. And the whole time I was watching that movie, I was like, Oh, is, is Eddie Redmayne in this? You're so rude. Tell me I'm wrong and I will drop it, but you know I'm right. (laughs) I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to go down this road with you. (laughs) I love Eddie Redmayne. Leave him alone. (laughs) Well, tell me, apart apart from Jerry, what did you enjoy about this movie? You know what? It was really cool to see Christmas somewhere that wasn't Northern Hemisphere. Mm. As you know and remember, it's summer in at Christmas time this side. Um, uh-huh. So we do often don't relate a whole bunch to the snowier Christmas movies no. where everybody's cold. It's usually fucking criminally hot yeah. outside and everybody is dressed exactly like the people in this fucking movie are dressed <laughs> exactly especially jenny i fucking i actually love jenny i thought she was the she's best great. character she's like everybody's aunt, a trashy aunt like yeah. she's got the floral dress on <laughs> she's like smoking weed <laughs> and the crazy eye makeup i loved her so much yeah but like it was also kind of weird because at one point when like cletus first knocks on the door diane's like oh come in out of this cold and it's like like, what what cold cold, bitch (laughs) and everybody's talking about how cold it is outside and it's like what are you talking about it's never cold in australia that's not how it works (laughs) (laughs) not in fucking december It's so good. It is really, really funny. I think it is it is quite touching, like, how Diana was just like, have these peanuts. Like, it was kind of lovely in a weird way. And, like, it just turns yeah, so south so quickly. Yeah, it started really nice. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the lighting, weirdly enough, uh, in this. In, like, the fact that every... Oh, I was going to bitch about it. Oh, I'm so excited. This is so divisive of us. Uh, but I kind of liked the fact that every room was a different colour. Like, a child designed the house. <laughs> Well, 
I was just going to say, like, with both of these movies, it's like the directors really are cotton on to the fact that Christmas lights are different colors. And they're like, wouldn't it be cool if I could change the mood using these Christmas lights? So it's like always this like crazy dramatic lighting that serves no storytelling or narrative purposes. Exactly. It's more like just like an art deco piece more than anything. But I kind of like that because it's sort of... It sort of made you really uncomfortable, well, it made me really uncomfortable, which kind of added to the horror, seeing as, like, okay. it was just, like, a very mundi- mundane horror story. So I was like, this lighting yeah. makes me feel very uncomfortable, and that kind of makes me yeah. on edge more than I would have been, I think. Yeah. What did you think of the death scenes? I mean, I know it always sounds so heartless to say, but, like, the deaths were really weird and boring. Mm. Mm. And And almost impossible, like... <laughs> I'm supposed to believe he chopped this girl in half with an axe. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> First swing. First swing. And you saw the the husband trying to chop wood with that same axe earlier that day, and that shit was yeah. blunt. And and then on top of the fact, like, they really keep drawing attention to the fact that this girl is allergic to peanuts. Mm-hmm. Like, they keep bringing it back. So then I was like, oh, so obviously, like, somehow she's going to end up eating peanuts, and thought, she's going to yeah. be, like, anaphylactic, and then she'll she'll die. No. No. None of no, that. No, just chopped straight in half, <laughs> dead early. I also, I was yeah. really... Conf- just a Chekhov's gun that, that they were not going to fire. No, no. It's, it, was, it was very badly plotted in that respect. Like, also the fact that Cletus just wouldn't die, but then in the beginning he was just like, uh, when yeah. someone says to him, I think it, she's like, I like your bandages, and he's just like, that's how I keep my skin on. And yet this dude is impervious to death. Yeah, fucking indestructible. Like, it made no sense. He was like the weirdest bad guy of all time. Also, we might as well get into it. The name. Yeah, go on. Cletus the Fetus. Wow. I wasn't even thinking that, but nice. I read it in the reviews and I was just like, oh god. Oh, that's that's depressing. That's very, very sad. Yeah. I mean, also, can we just say, like, the basic premise that he survived the abortion, that's... That's not the. That's not how abortions work. That's that's the very opposite of how they work. Also, it's so late term. <laughs> there is no way. <sighs> like Guys. when that little hand comes out of the bu- out often... of the bucket, I'm like that's definitely not oh how this works. God, none of this is how this works. For those wondering, they delay like. <laughs> They cut. They have a limit on when you can get an abortion based off of if the fetus could survive outside your body. And it's usually, unless there's like a massive medical reason, impossible to get an abortion if it were possible for the fetus to survive out your body. Yeah. And it sounds like she pretty much heard that the baby had Down syndrome and then immediately went to get an abortion. So, like, yeah, medically not <laughs> possible. Especially in the midst of an explosion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just the stress on the baby alone. I mean, it's just, it was so bonkers. Like, and I was like, okay, so the basic premise you fail at because of your ignorance. So, so this is very, very confusing. Although I will say, this movie allowed me and and Samantha to have a very, very in-depth conversation about abortion because we actually hadn't had the abortion talk until now. So, so it was actually really good to, to open it up with this dumb movie and then go from there and see how we feel about abortion. <laughs> I mean, that might be the one good thing to come out of this. I think it's the only good thing to come out of this. <laughs> uh, was there anything else that you enjoyed about this movie? I will say, when the son-in-law, the reverend son-in-law dies because he gets like his head put on a, on a blender, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that death scene. I thought that was excellent. Yeah, I think that was the only good one. Like yeah. when the lady dies, because like the umbrella goes Fucking, through her head. Yeah. Like I was, I literally out loud. I was like, "Oh, for fuck's sakes!" It's it's the biggest load of nonsense. And ah, uh, no. <sighs> Anything else you want to add before we move on? No. No. What is your uh? What is your scene that could have saved it, Chad? God, is there one? Because <laughs> I think I, would, I, would, I just, I don't know if there's a specific scene that could have done this, but it would have just been really nice to have a clearer stance on where they stood. Because it, yeah. it definitely feels like it's anti-choice, but then there's so much that says yeah. that it's not anti-choice. Yeah. Because, like, I can imagine I can imagine their thoughts when they were, like, broaching this film and, like, coming up with the script were like, all right, well, if we make the aborted fetus the bad guy, then it will show everyone that you shouldn't have bought them because this is what could happen. Yeah. But in 
like, in that, the argument collapses in on itself, because that's why you would have bought them. I'm, I'm just yeah. very confused, and I think I would have just liked something clearer, so yeah. I just knew their stance, and then go from there. Yeah. How about you? I mean, they had a really good setup with, like, some interesting character tensions. I mean, like, we already mm. said the whole thing with Jerry, and then finding out that his mom aborted the fetus, and then, like, you know, they just focus on all these weird chase and death scenes that aren't good anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe back it up, build up the tension, <laughs> make me care more about the characters, and then go and murder <laughs> them horribly. So that one, and then also between the two sisters where Ginny was pregnant and being, and sort of lording it over her sister, who was trying very yeah. hard to have a baby um but hadn't quite managed um yeah like that was kind of interesting and that sort of never like i feel like maybe when her sister is helping uh jenny give birth like then it's supposed to be mm-hmm. like you know they've buried the hatchet but yeah <sighs> no really. it just feels like no it just feels like it's this one-time emergency and then they're gonna go back to hating each other yeah i also think Actually, just you, you've just sort of, like, put an idea in my head, because if you think about it, the three three of the main women in this film are at, like, different different scenarios of birth and, like, their dealings yeah. with birth. So you have, like, you have the reverend's wife who can't get pregnant yeah. and wants into vivos, uh, into vivos, nope, into, into, what's it called? IVF. IVF, thank you. Um, she wants IVF. Then you have the, the 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 sister who has the baby, but she's smoking and drinking and all that crap while she's having the baby. And then you have the mum who has had like a bunch of beautiful children, almost had two bo- uh, two two Down syndrome babies, but like was in a horrible position where she just had to abort yeah. because she just couldn't be able to do it. And I think that really could have been also developed yeah. because that's really beautiful like it's a really yeah. solid setup yeah and it's like but what are you trying to say with this what are you saying oh and then there's like a whole weird setup where like the pastor husband was a bit of a voyeur and like clearly maybe had a yes. little bit of a crush on his sister-in-law that's not really explored at all yeah and masturbates in the cupboard that just sounds really icky to me that was gross. like the mm. cleanup alone i know sorry to sorry to bring <sighs> the podcast down a, li- a level but uh, I mean. also, did you notice, like, I don't know if they were trying to send a message again because this movie isn't clear, but there was a coat hanger on the cupboard door. And I don't know if that was like a message. Oh, God, I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they were equating masturbation with abortion? Yeah, to, to the back alley, uh, back alley um, abortions. Yeah, maybe yeah. They're, they're as bad as each other. <laughs> Insanity. Oh, Who wrote Who this? Who wrote this? Uh, would you watch it again, though? God, no. Yeah. It's it's just tough to yeah. watch, really. I think that's the the worst part about it because it's so confusing. Yeah. 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 It's super. Yeah. I just I wasn't entertained. I spent a lot of the time being like, wait, what? And then like you see how they die, and you're like, oh come on. Yeah. And yeah, I I just I felt a lot of emotions, and none of them were emotions that I think I was supposed to feel. No, exactly. And I think when you're thinking about Australian horror films, there are so many much better ones out there. You don't need to be sitting at yeah. this sort of C-grade rubbish that has this really confusing message. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for for that. I thank you. Thank you for bringing that into awesome. our lives. I really appreciate it. I I can only apologize. No, look, it it had this very nice debate between us. We had a a, a good tête-à-tête, <laughs> as it were. A little chit chat. Little little chit chat. Rated M for mature. Because we don't believe in scripted advertisements. We're gonna do this raw. I'm regretting this decision. No, you're not. This is the DL, Weekly Gaming News. There's nothing to regret here, because it's your source for everything in the gaming world. Every week, we bring it to you, unscripted, unfiltered. That's why it's rated M for Mature, right, Brenna? Among many, many other reasons. I am one of your hosts, Jameson. And as he already said, I am Brenna, the other glorious part to this quality podcast. You can find us every week wherever you listen to your podcasts at DL Gaming News. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter if you want some gaming news in your social media feed every day at DL Gaming News. And uh, you can find us individually if you really, really, truly want to see our faces. I am at DL underscore Mother Goose. And I'm at DL Jameson. And this was an advertisement. Go fuck yourselves.
The definition of a cryptid is an animal that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. As we binged our favorite Netflix series and slayed our toughest bosses in a video game, we began to wonder about these creatures that appeared and stoked our imagination. What was the inspiration for the Demogorgon, or the Dementor? Well, my name is Dave, and with my co-host Austin, we bring you the Cryptic Cast. Every other Wednesday, we will bring you some information about our favorite modern cryptid. From TV to movies to video games, we explore nerd culture through the lens of extensively suspicious knowledge in cryptozoology. Find us on your favorite podcast service under the name The Cryptid Cast. And follow us on social media at The underscore Cryptid Cast. Come join the growing community of Cryptomania. So shall I tell you about Black Christmas? I wish you would. I imagine your synopsis is also relatively short. Uh, it is actually, surprisingly. Uh, I, tr- I started off well. I started off like, nice, we'll do chunky paragraphs, yeah. and then towards the end I was just like, one line. Everyone dies. <laughs> so, everyone dies. Okay, so here we go. Black Christmas follows a group of sorority sisters over Christmas as they hunker down through a storm so bad that it's wiped out all cell coverage and reduced the chances of leaving the house to nil. The sisters are Kelly Presley, played by Katie Cassidy, Melissa, played by Michelle Trachtenberg, Heather Fitzgerald, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Dana, played by Lacey Chabot. The movie opens with Claire, played by Leela Sevaster, being viciously murdered. She is strangled to death by a plastic bag and her eyes are gouged out. The rest of the sisters do not hear this happening as they are all downstairs sorting out the Christmas presents. The house mother, Barbara, played by Andrea Martin, desperately wants this to be a good Christmas, but the rest of the ladies do not seem to be that interested. As per her tradition in the house, Barbara puts a present out for Billy Lenz. Billy was a previous occupant of the house who, perhaps rightfully so, lost his mind, killed his mother, and ate her. You see, Billy's mother, played by Karen Conneville, never liked Billy. He had a unique liver disease which turned his skin yellow. She would verbally abuse him and lock him in his room for long periods of time. Later, she kills Billy's father. Billy witnessed the murder, and fearing that his mother would do the same to him, decided to hide up in the attic. When Billy was older, Billy's mother raped him. She then became pregnant with Billy's sister-slash-daughter, Agnes, played by Christina Krivici uh, uh, when she was young, and Dean, uh, Dean Friss when she was older. Sometime later, Billy came down from the attic and murdered his mother and stabbed Agnes's eye out. He then went further and cut out the pieces of his mother's flesh using a Christmas-themed cookie cutter, cooked the meat, and ate it. Billy was then arrested and is now kept in a high-security mental health prison. At the high-security prison, we see that Billy has now escaped and is making his way home for Christmas. What follows is a brilliant story where many of the sisters die horrible and violent deaths. During this time, Lee Colvin, played by Kristen Cloak, appears on the scene. She is Claire's sister and will not leave until Claire is found. She and Claire, a step-sister, uh, step-sibling, step-sibling, with about 10 years of age between them. As such, they never really had a relationship, and so this was Lee's one chance of trying to build something between them. Also, Kyle, played by Oliver Hudson, was who is Kate's boyfriend, keeps coming round. We don't like him, and he is a dick. In the end, we learn that Billy and Agnes are now working together and want to essentially just kill and eat everyone. They almost succeed, but Lee and Katie survive. After all the fisticuffs and fighting, Katie and Lee are taken to hospital, believing that Agnes and Billy are dead. Turns out, they are not. The rest of the the rest of the rest spo- uh, the movie is a massive spoiler, so I'm going to end it here, but, I mean, it's a horror slash film, so you kind of know where it's going to go from there. Yeah. But, the end. <sighs> What's your cliffhanger? <laughs> so, it was a tough one to choose, and I'm, I'm still debating which one to go for. Um... But I'm going to go for the one, uh, this one. Look, this was before you came here. Okay, I did not put this on the net. A guy in my work, he got pissed off at me, and he stole my tapes. (laughs) Tapes? Kyle? How many are there, you fucking liar? believe that this person is you. How could you do such a thing? It's not you so different. Am I gonna show up on there? Is it sex enough, Kyle? You need a little visual trophies to get your throat. Shut the fuck up! Hey, hey! Go, no. Kyle, no! Oh, I got her, Miss Matt. It's okay, baby. Okay, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, no! 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 Ky
Kelly, I really like you a lot. I don't blame you for hating me. But I wasn't dealing, I wasn't knocking over 7-Elevens. I didn't hurt anybody. Yeah, Merry Christmas, asshole. Fuck all you bitches. Get out of here now! Get out of here! where uh, the, the boyfriend tries to justify why he made the pawn. Yes, because it is just a disaster. Like, what an asshole. And I just, I love the idea that, I mean, even in 2006, like, guys just are like, oh, well, I didn't kill anyone, so I'm not that bad a guy. Dude, it's it's revenge pawn. Like, you did this yeah. without consent. What are you doing? Yeah, you fucking, ugh. Ew, don't film anything without your partner's consent. Don't put it on the internet without your partner's consent. It's not hard. It's truly bonkers. And, I mean, he is a dick yeah. from, like, minute yeah. one. And it made me really sad, because he reminded me of, uh, of, you remember the boyfriend in Lights Out and how great he was as a human being? Oh, man, just an angel. We loved that guy, and this guy kind of looked like him, and so I thought he was, I was hoping he was going to be a good guy. Good guy boyfriend, because we don't see many of them. But he was pathetic mm -hmm. and horrible. And, yeah, I mean, just, I, th I, I think he was the worst of all the characters, including the murderers. <laughs> so, what do you think of the whole, um, you know, murderer origin story? I think he's justified, to be honest with you. I think he, that is a, that is a weird form of self-defense. If I'm honest, mm. uh, you know, his his mother kills the father in front of him. She he she yeah. locks him up in the attic. He's completely malnourished, and then she rapes him. Yeah, and and has the baby who she loves way more than him. Of course, he's gonna kill her. Yeah, that There's is There's only also, one way that like, story's gonna end. Pretty much a classic serial killer background is just a very controlling, hateful mother. Uh, who they are yeah. too close to, whether they want to be or not. I mean, mm. you know, Ed Kemper, <laughs> Gein, <laughs> to name a few. <laughs> yeah, just to name a few. Yeah, so so I think I think he's justified. I'm kind of on I'm kind of on Billy's side. How do you feel about the whole thing? Right up until he starts murdering all of the sorority girls. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Just before then, yeah. yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you that. How about? Do you feel the same yeah. way? Yeah. Um. Up until he's in prison, and then, and maybe he shouldn't have killed his, uh, you know, blameless sister daughter. Yeah. Sister daughter. Like, well, he, yeah, he, 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 yeah, yeah. That was eating her eye. Or which was. Her eye. I mean, why do you think he he was a cannibal? Do you think it is just because he lost his mind? I mean, I honestly have no <laughs> idea. To be like. <laughs> Some some people just have it in them. They're like, you know what I should do is eat this. That's true. And to be fair, it would solve the it would solve the the, the hunger problem. That was a really oh, but that scene where he's eating the cookies that he like made oh. out of his mom's baked flesh. <coughs> As I'm thinking about it, like I'm actually nauseous when he's like, no, I. Actually That's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's really funny as well because like I was gonna be like oh. But that was genuinely was gross. Like disgusting. that, like well done, yeah. guys. The effects they did, they did a good job. But like, I was gonna say, and then I remembered you're a vegetarian. I was gonna be like, but Simone, it's just essentially steak. But you're a vegetarian, so like that argument fails hard. But the way that they had it look, it looked like a it leather did. almost, like the way the skin yeah. like twisted. Yeah. Ooh, can we? Not? I'm actually feeling. <laughs> we'll very we'll move Ill. we'll move swiftly it was on. So gross. I think. All of the ladies Swiftly. in this did an exceptional job. Not one of them was at fault. It was actually quite a star-studded little cast. I loved the cast in this. Like, Mean Girls, Final Destination. Like, fuck, what a great group of people. Yeah, Katie Cassidy, I think she was in Supernatural and um, yes. Green Arrow. Obviously, Gretchen Wieners from Mean Girls. Obviously, what, Mary Elizabeth Winstead from yeah, Everything fine. Good. She's, she's incredible. <laughs> I love her as an actress. Yeah. Yeah, super, super impressive. Yeah, and uh, the house mother, I'll get her name again. Uh, da -da -da -da. Oh, she's so cute. She's in Great News. Oh, is she? Okay. Um, well, I, I've, I've closed my page, so I'm, I'm not going to open up again, because I, I sent it as an email attention. But she was in the original. She was in the original Black oh. 
Black Christmas, which is really cool. Like the director oh, invited fun. her back. Yeah, it's really really nice. Like, he tried to get as many people back from like the original movie as he possibly could, and yeah. it was just her. But yeah, she. It's it's just like a nice callback. <laughs> it was just like a really cool cool little yeah. callback. Um, what did you enjoy oh. about this movie? I mean, the deaths were slightly better mm-hmm. in this. Like I kind of felt it a bit more, and I think they did a better job with the characters and. Um, mm. making them a little bit more interesting. That being said, like, I don't know, like, sometimes, maybe I'm just, you know, dead inside, but sometimes <laughs> slashers just feel, like, really boring. Like, you're like, yeah. oh, is this person gonna make it? Nope. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at her go outside, wonder what's gonna happen to her. Oh, oh there she goes, she did. And like, that one. Yeah, yeah, it was very predictable. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're so right. And I know and I, they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, like, I was going to say, like, this is overall just, like, a really fun romp. You know, it, it really sticks yeah, to the traditional kind of slasher vibe of, you know, all these innocent ladies are stuck at home and there's a murderer in the house kind of thing. And, you know, but it would have been nice, especially because it's a remake, to have, like, it modernized. Like, I think... That's what's really nice yeah. about the Screams, the Scream franchise, is that they try to modernize it every and tweak it every every uh, um, every movie. And then yeah. when they did the TV show, like they they tweak it for a modern generation, which makes it believable. With this, it was just kind of like, okay, well, it's just more of the same, like you said. Yeah, eh, I mean, you know, and a lot of the deaths were extremely similar as well. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we get it. He has an mo. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, he is sort of textbook serial killer at this stage. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, it is very true to life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, except, you know, there are very few serial killers that go full. I guess Ted Bundy actually did go into a sorority, so never mind. Mm. I'm wrong. That was that was his one of his biggest mistakes. <laughs> good old, good old Mr. Bundy. <laughs> He's, I think, <laughs> well, I, I did, what did you think of the, the practical effects of him being yellow? Because I, ah. Uh... <laughs> I feel like only Sin City really pulled off that whole vibe, and it was because everything else was black and white. Yeah. Like, there was times where his... But it, it just looks silly. It looks really silly. And there was times where his eyes, like, the whites of his eyes were yellow, so they obviously just didn't code it right and, like, color code it correctly. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is... This is rather terrible. Also, I'm pretty sure it's not how jaundice works. Like, I'm pretty sure that they can, you know, help. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Like, that that's the thing. Like, he, they were just like, it's a super unique liver disease. And I was like, jaundice is most kids kind of get that. Not most, but a lot of kids get that. Yeah, like, you just give them a vitamin K shot <laughs> and, like, move on, don't you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's really, like, correctable. I don't think... You know, many people, you know, grow old having jaundice. Like, you don't see yellow people walking but around. What do we know? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, clearly we don't know nothing. Apparently abortions can give birth to live babies, and jaundice is a freak sort of thing. Oh, horror movies at Christmas are a mess. Are they not? Oh, man. And again, also, just gratuitous use of the different color lights to <laughs> make it exciting. And... Yeah did not work yeah that's true yeah um i kind of like i would say like i did did enjoy the fact that it was just like the classic sort of slasher vibe of you know five to six hot young females running around and away Mm. from a horror from from a murderer just classic keep it keep it basic done yeah and in all fairness this movie didn't really do what a lot of slasher movies do which is almost like fetishize how they die yeah like there weren't a bunch of super naked girls yeah. at any point. only one girl gets naked when she showers but she's not naked when she dies yeah. and i really appreciated that it was it was definitely less like weirdly sexual mm. how they got killed which you know i really appreciate yeah no you're you're so right and what is it about that like I don't know if you if you actually know or if you have any theories of like what what is that sort of theme like why is the whole naked naked teen naked nubile running and getting murdered a thing? Oh, 
I mean, I mean, first of all, it's just like the male gaze. Oh, right. But also like slashers traditionally do punish women for being sexual. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's like a weird, like it's a power thing. It's essentially Mm -hmm. like kind of rape, but just portrayed in a different way. Like usually it's like a knife, which is very penetrating. Right. Or like some other sort of phallic object being used. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And and if you guys are interested in like the final girl serial killer trope and like the power imbalance Mm -hmm. in that Folding Ideas does a really great series on women in film. And he does one on the final girl, and it's amazing. We shall uh, try at least to to add that to the footnotes. Yeah, we'll link it. Women in film, and yeah. and so that you wait, you guys can have a look because I mean it is a really interesting thing, and I mean I've yeah. I've said it for I've said it for years the fact that like horror movies are really on the uh, are on the on the cusp of new and exciting developments in film because they have to keep it new yeah. because so many get turned out every year. It, it just has to yeah. just keep going, you know? It, yeah. it has no, to definitely. it has to develop. And directors are kind of waking up to the fact that, like, it's not really enough anymore. That they're just like, oh, this girl had sex. Now she's dead. Like, it's getting, yeah. thank God, finally, a bit more nuanced. Exactly. You're so right. And talking of directors, I, I think a moment of silence for this poor director because uh, I was looking at the uh, trivia on this movie and uh, the director, Glenn Morgan, said that he, he, he had a film in 2003 which mm-hmm. flopped. And he said that if this film flopped as well, that would be the end of his directing career. Oh, no. He would never direct again. And it flopped. And he has not done another movie since. Oh, So uh, a moment of silence for Glenn. I hope Glenn Morgan <laughs> has found happiness and success somewhere else. Yeah, oh. you really do. Because I like this film. Yeah. I don't think it should have flopped. I don't nice. think it's special, but it's nice. It's just fun. I think I definitely preferred it to Red Christmas. Oh, definitely. I would watch this way over yeah. Red Christmas. Totally. Any day. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, what's your scene that could have potentially saved this if it, you know... I think that, like, some of the girls just got killed off so fast. Like, mm. uh, that scene at the end where she's, like, seeing all her friends, like, dead under the Christmas tree, which was, you know, fun. <laughs> like, there's some girls I'm like, oh, shit, when did she die? Like, what? Like, mm. <laughs> some of them, I feel, died, like, kind of off screen. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not that I need to see every single one die, but I'm like, you know, this means there's kind of room to create some more interesting scenes and not yeah. the same thing over and over again um exactly and it would have been like i think that and that's what they've done with the newest one that we haven't seen yet is um it looks like Mm. they're having the girls like mobilize a bit more and start fighting back a bit sooner rather than like spending the whole movie being like what's going on yeah exactly like dumb 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 woman brain yeah exactly uh, it looks like they're, you know, gonna start fighting back sooner, which I think always makes slashers more entertaining is when, mm. you know, they get a couple of hits in. Yeah, exactly. You know, who is actually gonna win? Is it gonna be the the the, uh, the serial killer or the yeah. or the female? Yeah, it's very exciting yeah. that way. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and in this I really had no doubt. I was like, oh, he's gonna kill everyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at these these lambs not fighting back at all. Yeah, just running around like a crazy person in like a two-story, three-story yeah, flat. Literally. Uh, two, three, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't... And what's your scene? Personally, I don't think there was anything that could have saved it. I think it's just... It's great how it is. Don't change, like, the dynamics or anything. I mean, it is what it is. It's Black Christmas. It's like a remake of a 70s slasher. You know, maybe, like you said, have them fight back. Have them actually do something. But, like... You know, overall, it's just fine. You know, it's yeah. never going to be Oscar winning, so don't don't pretend that it is. And I don't think it tries to pretend that it is going to be Oscar winning. It just yeah. it just does the job of a Christmas slasher movie. Yeah, yeah. Would you watch it again? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Christmas exactly. Day after or before lunch, you're waiting for stuff to come out of the oven. You'll just check something on. You've already started drinking. Um, mm-hmm. You know throw it on while you're busy getting shit ready yeah exactly it's just fun it's just like a just a chill yeah. film if you don't if you're not horrified by slashers <laughs> apparently chad and i are just we're <laughs> completely dead inside numb i forget do you know how often it is that i forget that people don't like horror movies yeah it's so true and like sometimes i feel really bad because samantha's not really into horror films and i keep just pushing oh, no. horror films on her like just being like because i think 
at one point she mentioned that she would like to watch more horror films, so I'm just like, cool, we will exclusively watch horror that's films. That's all we're going to watch. That, that's, <laughs> you've said you would like to sort of start watching more. I've taken that as we are going to exclusively watch horror yeah. films from now on. <laughs> yeah, poor poor Rudy as well. Like, anytime he's like, so what do you feel like watching? I'm like, um, whatever you feel like, because I know I'm just going to say I want to watch a scary movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Like, are we just bad people? Have we, have we somehow just become broken? <laughs> I think, I think, you know, slowly over time, this podcast has just broken us down. So we literally just need the most gore and blood and horror to feel anything. <laughs> <laughs> to feel and half the time like i don't even i'm just like mildly mad i'm like oh this didn't make me feel more than i thought it would yeah exactly exactly like you walk out of like it too or doctor sleep and you're just like boring (laughs) was it even scary i don't think so i don't think so (laughs) it's just funny because like i just know that with you and me like we watch a horror film and then we just get into bed and it's just like cool nappy sleep times like it literally just no more it doesn't affect us anymore horrendous and i didn't used to be like that it used to be that i'd watch a horror movie and immediately have to watch like a happy thing afterwards and then i couldn't sleep alone yeah exactly now i'm just uh, i mean just give me all the horror to ourselves how where did this happen where did we go wrong i would love to know the pimp like pinpoint the time in history that we were just like all right now we're horror movie people (laughs) (laughs) i blame nightmare before christmas this is what it did to us i blame i blame Power Rangers for our mm. uh, for our obsession with with thrash metal, and I blame Nightmare Before Christmas for our obsession with horror. Curse you, Tim Burton! How dare you! <laughs> so Simone, somehow we did it again. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's, I'm it's, in a series of what's going to be so many fun Christmas movies. I'm so ready to enjoy these this this Christmas period with you. You know, I've I've just, I've changed my tune. I'm I'm gonna embrace it because you know you can't fight it. Yeah. Christmas movies, they're you can't everywhere. Fight the Christmas spirit, Chad. I would never fight the Christmas spirit, but I will always fight Christmas movies. Except now that I'm giving in. I'm thinking of trying to drink a couple more Christmas themed drinks mm. while we record. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think I think eggnog and other Christmas related beverages are a, yeah. are a thing. Agreed. So, Simone, what is your optimistic thing for the week? My optimistic thing for the week. Oh, it was my sister's birthday on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Max. Happy birthday, Max. And it was just, it was so fun. Uh, well, I mean, she had like a big party on the weekend and I was too sober for it. So like, that was <laughs> the most fun person. But then she came over for dinner on Tuesday night, uh, which was a bit of a disaster because my stove ran out of gas. No. Yeah, that that really hurt. So we had to improvise some food and like make a plan. But we did have Krispy Kreme donuts, which... What a dream. What an absolute treat. I love a Krispy Kreme. How do they get them so fluffy? How? How? But we watched uh, Baywatch. Oh. The new one with... What a a film. Dwayne The Rocks Johnson and Zac Efron. Fuck me, it's so funny. It is a delight. Fucking hell. It's so self-aware. It's so funny. It's so sassy. It's so sexy. Uh, I feel like the men are objectified just as much as the women in a very, like funny yeah. way it was just it's such a well it's done so funny. movie like there's a couple bits what are just which are just gold but like my favorite bits are where the rock actually calls zach yeah. efron high school musical i've never laughed so hard in my life <laughs> i loved it so like the rock and zach efron were so funny mm. together i always forget like how funny zach efron yeah, actually is yeah. but he's brilliant he is so talented and the rock too like it was kind of fun to see him because he's usually like the nicest dude and i think they played yeah. on that a bit in the movie uh, but it's also fun to see him just be like really sassy at yeah, someone exactly it's so good and like there's also that scene where he's like it's where so he becomes good. like a, a phone salesman and he's just like and it's got all the three g's and the four g's and the the wi-fi's <laughs> and it's so fucking funny that film oh man what a film. It's, yeah, it's yeah. So, like, that just brought me joy this Lovely. week. Lovely. And I just wanted to rep it hard yeah. again. Yeah, no. Well, I'm glad that, that did, did Max yeah. have a good birthday? I think so. I think she had a good time. Good. I think she was very hungover uh, over I the can weekend. imagine, as, as you should be. <laughs> What's your optimistic thing for the week? I've got to say, and it's like a really, really weird one, but I'm going to go for all-nighters. I had an all-nighter this week where, like, last night, Last oh. night, not not drinking. Jesus Christ, I'm too old for that. No, no, working, working. <laughs> I <didn't> think. <laughs> I uh, last night I was just like I have 
shit ton of work to do, so what I'll do is I'll just stay awake as much as late as I can and just power through and get everything done. I live tweeted it, which for my own benefit, because I only have like 38 followers on Twitter, so it was for my own benefit more than anything. But it was just really nice. Like I started like working at like seven o'clock in the after in, in the evening and I finished at two and I got like ninety percent of my shit done. So like I woke up today and I just felt amazing because like I had little to no commitments to actually do so I could like wake up when I wanted I made a lovely frittata for breakfast and then I went shopping with my mom for like groceries oh. and stuff and like there was just no stress in my life because I didn't have to be like holy shit I've got so much to do and I need to come home mm. so I'm gonna say my optimistic thing is staying awake super duper late and working because that is what my life has become I, I, I think I would I would maybe rephrase that as getting all your shit done uh, so that you could enjoy your life. Guys, don't procrastinate like I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair... Do I or do I not get it done, You do get it done, get it done. and like Bill Gates says, if you want... If you if you need someone to do something, always ask the person who procrastinates because they will always find the easiest way to get things done. So there you go. Hmm. You're you're. I don't know if that's true. I think I just find the panickiest way to get things done. But cool. <laughs> do you think you just like live in waves and troughs of anxiety and and stress, or is it just like a constant stress? Yes, that is exactly my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think the troughs are few and far between, <laughs> and the peaks are fairly frequent. So it's more like rapid tsunamis than uh, than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. Fantastic. It, it's all good. You're you you're you've got your health, and you you know you're 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 a hot young female. Yeah, that's true. The world is naturally accommodating and very nice to yeah. me. Yeah, which is great. You know, take advantage of 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 while you, while you can. Mm. Yeah. Um. So Simone, I try to. <laughs> so Simone, tell us what are we doing for week two of Christmas joy. So, people who listened to our last podcast, um, it's not that bad, will remember that last year we covered The Christmas Prince, or A Christmas Prince. Mm -hmm. We're going to revisit that, because now there are two sequels out, which is, what, A Christmas Wedding? Uh, it is A Christmas Prince, colon, The Royal Wedding, which got 47% on the tomato meter ah. and 28% on the audience score. And then A Christmas Prince, Ooh. The Royal Baby, which is so new that it doesn't have an audience score or a tomato meter. And I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about this moment. This might be our loophole. If we just keep choosing movies that don't have a score, we can actually just watch good movies. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to get in there quick enough. <laughs> exactly. So if we go like both of us just go and see like Frozen Two before it gets any any tomato meter, like yeah. we could technically do that <laughs> film. We have found the loophole. <laughs> that is true. I'll, I mean, I'll take it under consideration, but I think at this point we've just started genuinely enjoying trash movies. That is true. I can't, I can't deny that fact. So yes, it's a Christmas Prince week, and I'm so excited for this. Yes, I'm so ready. You guys, get in there with your candy canes and your leftover turkey from Thanksgiving. Actually, by the time this comes out, you should not have leftover turkey. That is unsanitary. That shit's gone bad, yeah. But maybe your <laughs> practice roasts for Christmas lunch. I know everybody does a practice roast. That is insane. That sounds like way too much stress to me. Just just do it on the night. <laughs> I don't know. I don't eat meat. <laughs> Oh god, I, this is I'm I'm very excited. I am actually very excited because I enjoyed the Christmas Prince, the yeah. first one. A Christmas no, me Prince. too. So so this should be a good week, and it's mm. it's sort of the proper kickoff because I mean it's not just horror movies that we enjoy; yes. it's actual Christmas movies now. Oh, love it. Very very exciting. Which is very on brand. Very for us. on brand. So thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate your time and your listening. Oh, yes. we it technically wasn't a review. It technically wasn't a review, but we got a lovely comment on one of our posts on our Instagram page. Oh. It was one of the most adorable things I've ever read, and I want to see if I can find it and oh, and, and and read I it for you guys. I what did you did you, I, have you not seen this one? No, I haven't seen it. It's no, I haven't checked our Instagram in a while, actually, which is a, you know. A problem. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was on our um, it, it was on our um Mondays, our Meet Your Host Mondays, which uh, it was tech you can't live without. Oh. So so the question was what uh what technology what piece of technology could you not live without? And then Dublin Trublin, the best name I've ever heard of in my oh. entire life. 
Uh, that is incredible. I know, it's great. She or he said, depends on the situation. If it's a w- uh, World War Z scenario, the book of course, I'm not as mad as Simone about the movies, mainly because it was a weird lifeline after ah! a bad breakup, but the book is A-M-A-Z-I-N-G. Uh, then the food uh, in the fridge defo uh-huh. is more important. I just discovered your podcast. I absolutely love it. What a delightful and unexpected, unexpected pick-me-up. I love bad movies, so this is perfect. Also, I was, am, weirdly convinced Chad is the same host as the Worst Idea Ever podcast, or at least his voice twin. Keep up the great work. Oh my god, Dublin Troublin'. I know, right? You're too wonderful for us. Thank you. We really appreciate you listening, and, you know, guys... Oh Give us give us all the feedback. Whether you're a massive fan of ours like Dublin Troubling or someone who hates us, just let us know because we always want to improve the show for yeah. you guys. You know, we're not we're not gonna lie. We are both whores for reviews. Oh my god, I am gonna be on a high for the rest of the day. Right? I read that and I was just like, like I, I think I woke up and I read that and I was like, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever read. It was so sweet. My heart is glowing. I know, right? I haven't listened to the the. Oh my god. The, the worst idea ever podcast, but I'm kind of intrigued now about what this guy sounds like. Yeah, I need to find your voice to him. And then murder him. <laughs> um, so, so guys, if you want to leave us comments, if you want to do any of that, where can they find us, Simone, to do so? Uh, you guys can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Fresh Tomatoes Podcast, on Twitter at Fresh Tomatoes MP. You can email us at Fresh Tomatoes Podcast at gmail.com. You can come hang out with us on the Raywatts Radio Discord server. Yeah, do it, you guys. And we yeah. really appreciate you guys when you do leave us comments like that. I mean, you literally heard Simone's reaction, like, live, oh my God. how she actually feels. You did not see how I was holding my face in my hands out of sheer joy. It was proper, like, Macaulay Coken holding her hands to her face, uh, like, yeah. happiness. Yeah. You guys, you kind of made her crisp. So please do write in, tell us how you feel, you and as we say at the end of every episode, we, we love, love you, you and, and there's nothing, nothing you can, can do, do about, about it. it. Goodbye! Bye. Following is a public service announcement from the Starter Set Dungeons & Dragons podcast. This is your D&D campaign. This is the Starter Set Podcast. You know how, like, poison frogs don't lick each other's backs? So, it's Howl's Moving Castle mm-hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. Plop. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions?